Let's get started this morning. Hallelujah. Open them up to Revelation 3. But before I get there, let me set this up for you. You know, wouldn't it be great to know how to succeed in all areas of our life and to have the favor of God saturate every area? Wouldn't it be great to know what those keys are? That every area of our life, we can know whatever we put our hand to will prosper. Well, this morning, the word that the Lord's put upon my heart, I titled it Keys to Prosperity this morning. You know, the word of God has much to say about prosperity, much to say about it. You know, a lot of times when people hear the word prosperity, they only think of money, financial, you know, but you know what? That is only part of the meaning. That's only part of it now because listen, prosperity means a state of material and spiritual abundance. Let me say that again. Prosperity means a state of material and spiritual abundance. You see, true biblical prosperity means you have both. Both. And let me get into something here. The Greek word that's translated prosperity in the word of God literally means this. I found this interesting. It means to have a good journey. Prosperity in the Greek literally means to have a good journey. How many of you know that life is a journey? Amen? Life is a journey. And our Heavenly Father is not opposed to us, His children, being prosperous on this earth. You know, uh, he, he just doesn't. And uh, in fact, God wants us to prosper in all areas of our lives. Well, how about you with your children? Would you like to see your children living out on the streets in poverty? No, absolutely not. Why, why do people accuse God of that? Amen. And we're talking about divine love. He has divine love for us. Amen. He doesn't take pleasure in, in seeing his children suffer. Amen. Now, so God wants to see his people prosper in all areas of their life. In fact, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Psalms 35, 27, listen to this. He said, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God literally takes pleasure when his children prosper in life. Amen? Well, that kind of pulls out some of this religious thinking that God wants us to take a vow of poverty. Amen? It's, the, it's totally against the word of God. Now, notice that verse didn't say that God takes pleasure in poverty or failure of his servant. Now, now don't just think money now when I'm talking about prosperity. That's only part of it. You see, there's got to be the material and spiritual. They have to line up to be true biblical prosperity. You understand that? Now, uh, God... <laughs> Kenneth Hagin down at Raymond when I went to school down there, he would always say the comment when he talked about this area. He said, God doesn't want his children living on barely get along street. Amen. He doesn't want his children living on barely get along street. But listen to me, 
Poverty in the word of God is always referred to as a curse. Did you know that? Poverty, when, you, when the word of God refers to poverty, it's always, re, it's always referred to as a curse. And I don't know about you, but my Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that we've been delivered from the curse of the law through Jesus Christ. That the blessing of Abraham can come upon us, believers, through Jesus Christ, right? Now, but prosperity, on the other hand, is always referred to as a blessing. Go to Proverbs 10, actually. I know I told you to go to Revelation, but go to Proverbs 10.22. I want to show you something here. I'm going to run you through the Word of God this morning. Is that all right? Because like I said before, it's not my opinion that matters. It's what the Word says. That's where the power's at. If you want to live a victorious life, stick with the Word of God. Proverbs 10.22. Listen to this. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Isn't that something? Now, uh, you know, that word rich there, you know, that word rich literally means an abundant supply. Now, I'm not inferring that every Christian is supposed to be a billionaire. You understand what I'm saying? What I am saying, the word rich means an abundant supply, that all of your needs and then some should be provided for. That's what the word rich means. You know, we think of the word rich, our mind wanders and say, well, billionaire, millionaire. Well, you know what? If you get there, praise God. Thank God for it. Amen? But that word rich means an abundant supply that all of your needs and then some are provided. So don't think I'm going off on some wacky tangent here. I'm sticking with the word of God and what it says. Amen? And notice that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it says it doesn't add sorrow. Isn't that awesome? Amen? Now, uh, come on. Christians should be the ones who are getting the promotions on the job. Christians should be the one getting raises at work. And if you put these principles into action in your life, Get ready to be promoted when you act on the word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, but listen, God is not opposed to his people having money. But he is opposed of, to money having you. God, let me say it again. God's not opposed to you and I as Christians having money. But he is opposed to money having you. Or in other words, you making money the center of your life instead of God. That's called idolatry. You understand what I'm saying? Now, money now, you know how people say, oh, money's the root of all evil. You know, they use, they use the scripture, you know. Uh, but listen to me, money is not the root of all evil. The scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. Hallelujah. So people twist that, though, and say, oh, money's just evil, so we, you know, God wants us to take a vow of uh, poverty. No, no, no. It says the love of money. In other words, you keep God at the center of your life and not the dollar bill. Amen? Hallelujah. But, you know, if pros prosperity was a sin, why would God tell us how to be prosperous in the word? See, it just doesn't make sense, people who say that, you know, you know this poverty, this faith stuff you talk about, you know, this, this prosperity message, you know, they always have their little cliches that they talk about, but it's in the Word. 
But a lot of times people go off on a tangent and then they get focused on money. They get focused on the financial and then they take their eyes off of God. And yes, then you're out of line. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, now, so a person who is truly prosperous will always keep God at the center of their life. You know, uh, you think of like Hollywood and the movie stars. You know, sinners can have riches and material things, but spiritually they're dead. I'm talking about sinners this morning. The people, you know, who aren't saved, or, you know, maybe in Hollywood, the actors, they're making millions, billions, trillions of dollars. But so they have the riches and material things, but spiritually they're dead and on a road to hell if they don't make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Uh, but, uh, you know, Psalm 73, Psalm 73 is an interesting psalm because it talks about the psalmist. He goes to God and questions God. He says, God, my enemies are prospering and I'm not. He's, he's, so this, this psalmist gets into jealousy because he's looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at these sinners who are prospering. He's saying, God, what's going on here? I'm serving you and they're making, they're, they're, seem to be prospering. And, uh, but then it says the psalmist went into the sanctuary or the presence of God and then seen what was really taking place. You see, when we get in the presence of God, we can see things a lot clearer. When we say, see things, things through the eyes of the Spirit, things aren't always what they appear in the natural. You understand what I'm saying? So he said, when he went into the sanctuary, he said, then I seen how it really was. That those who are in sin are not truly prospering. And, uh, you know, most of the time people judge prosperity according to material possessions. Don't do it. Don't assume that someone's in prosperity just because of the things that they have in the natural, because of their bank account, because of material things. Don't assume that, amen? Uh, now listen, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. You know, sinners, you see sinners who are out you know, doing their thing and serving the devil. You know, it looks like they're having a great time when they're partying, right? Well, they look happy. Well, uh, you know, they look happy, but it's a counterfeit. It's not true happiness. It's not true peace. Only Jesus can bring that. You understand what I'm saying? The same is true with prosperity. Sinners look like they're prospering, but it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. It's not biblical prosperity. Let me remind you of this, that Satan has a counterfeit for everything that God has. Remember me telling you that in past services? Uh, the devil will accommodate the sinner for a season to keep him away from Jesus. Amen? That's why I say don't look and judge by the outward appearance just because someone's driving around in a Corvette. Amen? Because their bank account's overflowing and they can swim in it every day. Amen? Don't judge by outward appearance like that. Uh, and so, so I want to clarify right now that true prosperity, to have true prosperity, you must have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the starting point. You understand what I'm saying? If you're outside of Jesus and you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're never going to have true biblical prosperity. So I got to set that record straight right now. So biblical prosperity is a state of material and spiritual abundance. Go with me to Revelation 3. We'll start there now. 
Revelation 3. Let me show you something here. Don't you love the Word of God? Hallelujah. Revelation 3, 15 through 17. Now, this is Jesus. The words in my Bible are in red, which means that it's Jesus Christ doing the speaking here. And Jesus is, is talking to seven different churches in the beginning of the book of Revelation. And the one I want to point out here is the church of Laodicea that he's, he's speaking to here. So Revelation 3, 15 through 17. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would, that you, I would rather that you were be cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew, spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I, listen to this, because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Listen to this. So the, so the church is saying, hey, I'm a, I have abundant supply. I'm rich. I have material things. I have need of nothing. But look at what Jesus goes on to say. He says, and you know not that you are wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. The church at Laodicea had material goods, but their spiritual life was out of, out of order. They got consumed on spiritual things. And Jesus comes along and exposes their spiritual condition. Jesus even calls them poor. Do you know if your spiritual condition is out of line outside of the word of God this morning, you're considered poor. And it doesn't matter a lick what your bank account says. Amen? I'm talking about keys to prosperity from the Word of God. Don't, don't judge by the material things, because if your spiritual life is a mess this morning, Jesus says you're wretched, you're poor. Amen? But this, this church was, was flourishing financially, said we have need of nothing. But you know, when the Holy Spirit comes along, when Jesus comes along, He exposes the truth. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we need to daily, daily examine our hearts, daily examine our life. And if there's any areas that are, it may unforgiveness, bitterness, sin in your life, whatever it is, we need to deal with it. Amen? Put it under the blood. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to start with the keys. I kind of set the stage for you of what I'm talking about, that true Biblical prosperity means spiritual abundance and material. They go together because when you have spiritual abundance, the material will follow. Now listen to me. The first key I want to bring up here to prosperity is that for you, the Christian, we are to honor the Lord with everything that we have. Everything that's in our possession, we are to honor the Lord with everything. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs 3. Get ready to turn through the word this morning. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3, 9, uh, 9 through 10. It says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Put God as priority, it's saying, in your life. And why? What's the results? So shall thy barn be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. He's talking about abundance. He's talking about success. He's talking about prosperity here. 
Amen? So we are to honor the Lord with everything that we have. And part, follow me now, part of that honoring the Lord with our substance includes the giving of tithes and offerings to the Lord. Go to Malachi 3.8. Malachi 3.8. I'm going to, many of you have heard this scripture many times, but it doesn't do any harm to read it again. Amen. And maybe there's some on the radio broadcast on the internet. Maybe someone here who's never heard it before. So let's read it. Malachi 3.8 through 10. It says, will a man or a person rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Look at verse 9. This is pretty strong language here. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even in this nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. Now, the word tithe literally means the tenth part. Ten percent of your income. People say, well, what would okay, Pastor James, what is it? Uh, gross, net, gross. I do it off the gross. And uh, so tithes and offerings. Now, you know, you think of someone in the natural who steals things, you know, who's a robber in the natural. You know, that brings shame on a person when they're, when they're caught, isn't it? Who here would want to be known as someone who's robbing the God Almighty? Hey, Amen? Think about that. Now, someone says, well, yeah, but tithing was only, it, it was only in the law. No, tithing began before the law of Moses. Abraham tithed to the Lord before the law came into effect. Amen? So I'm not going to go any further on that point because that's a whole teaching. But I just want to say part of honoring the Lord with your substance includes giving tithes and offerings. And it says right here, if you don't, it says you're cursed with a curse. Well, we found out that prosperity, and it says here, if you do give tithes and offerings, it says, will I not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing? Blessing. Remember, prosperity is blessing. And then it says, if you don't tithe and give offerings to the Lord's work, it says you're cursed with a curse. Well, what side is cursed? Poverty. Poverty means not enough to meet your needs. Amen? Doesn't necessarily mean you're out on the street begging, but it means you're not going to have enough to meet the need. And there are so many testimonies that come forth. People say, you know, for so many years I didn't tithe. I didn't give offerings to the Lord like I should. And, uh, you know, I didn't feel that I could afford to give tithes. Brother, sister, you can't afford not to give tithes. Because God will take that 90% that you have and multiply it more than the 100 that you keep for yourself. Amen? And people all the time say, I can't believe, this is, this is awesome, how God multiplies my income, and he always meets my need. Favor is upon my life. Because why? Because you're being obedient to the word. You're being a doer of the word. And it's always going to bring blessing. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the second point I want to bring up, and I touched on it a moment ago. You need to, and, and I need to, we all need to as Christians, confess and forsake any and all sin in our lives. 
confess and forsake any and all sin in our lives. Go to Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. This is an awesome scripture. See, there's so, much, so many golden nuggets in the word. Amen? To dig from that, that there's so much wisdom, so much knowledge in the word of God. All we got to do is follow the instruction book, right? You ever see someone trying to put something together? They buy something from the store, and they're trying to put it all together while the instruction book's right over there, and they're, they're fighting against this thing, trying to figure out how to do it. And it's like, hey, you know, why don't you just use the instruction book, and it'll tell you step by step. <laughs> Amen? Uh, so, so many people are stumbling through life. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing? Get in the instruction booklet. It's all in here. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen. It's your instruction and my instruction booklet on earth. Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper. How much more clear can it get than that? He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Notice it's a two-step process. You need to confess. The word confession means to agree with. In other words, when you sin, agree. God, I confess. I admit it. I've sinned. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover it up. Oh, but it was only a white lie. No, it says if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. So the two-step process is confessing. Admit it. You sinned. You messed up. Don't hide it from God because he already knows about it, but he wants you and I to acknowledge our sin. And then it says, some people leave this out. They always stay the confessing part, but they leave out the second step. Forsake the sin. Don't go back to your own vomit. Amen, the word says. As the dog goes back to his own vomit. You know, that's kind of gross, isn't it? Well, it says confess that sin and forsake it. Get rid of it out of your life. Amen? Amen. Now, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Hallelujah. Feel the presence of the Lord up here this morning. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. It says this. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Listen to this. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights in. The purpose of God chastening you as a Christian is to get you to repent of your sin so, he, so you can be put back into a position to be blessed. It says here, okay, now parents, talk with me, parents. How many of you correct your children? Let me see your hands. Do you love your children? Have you ever spanked your children? It's not comfortable for the child, but you've done it. Why? To correct them, to show them what they're doing is wrong, and you want to get them back in the right, into the right lane, you know what I'm talking about? On the highway of blessing. See, God cares about you and I so much that if there's an area of our life that is not right, if there's an area of sin, it says he'll chasten you like as a father does his son. 
It's, in fact, there's one scripture, I, I don't remember the exact reference, but it says that whoever doesn't get uh, corrected said he's a bastard. He's fatherless. So we need to know that God's chastening hand upon us. He's, he's doing it to show us he loves us and he wants us to get back in a position to be blessed. Do you understand that this morning? Amen. Now, uh, Psalm 23, 1. So don't keep fighting against him when, when, when you're having a hard time. You know, search your heart. There's probably something in your life the Lord's trying to show you. Be pliable in your heart. Soften your heart. And that's why I said daily examine your life. Examine your heart. Amen? Uh, Psalm 23, 1. Listen to this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or there shall be no lack in my life. But what's the condition? That the Lord is leading you. The Lord is your shepherd. Amen? Hallelujah. He, when he corrects you, when he rebukes you for something in your life, make the changes. It's that simple. It's that simple. Just make the changes. And if the Lord is your shepherd and you're letting him call the shots in your life, you're letting his word dictate you through life, well, you're going to prosper in life. Amen? And God's favor will be on your life. Now, uh, the next point I want to bring up here. Don't take counsel or advice from the ungodly. Don't take counsel or advice from the ungodly. Go to Psalms 1. Hallelujah. Psalms 1, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right, listen to this. It said, blessed is the man, or prosperous, you could say, prosperous, successful is the man or the person that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, uh, I want you to notice that it says ungodly. Don't take counsel from the ungodly. I want to point out, it doesn't say unbelievers. Now, it goes without saying that, uh, you know, don't take spiritual advice or advice from an unbeliever, right? They're spiritually dead. It's not good. But I want to point out it says ungodly because there are some Christians who are not living godly lives. They're living their lives in the flesh apart from the word. You understand what I'm saying? It says don't take counsel from the ungodly. Now, I know some Christians that I wouldn't want to take advice from. Do you? Amen? So we got to be careful who we're getting our counsel from. Our, who are you taking advice from? Amen? Make sure you're taking advice or counsel from Christians who are really living their life for the Lord, who love the Lord. Amen? So that's, that's one point there. Because if you're constantly going to take advice from a, the, an ungodly person or an unbeliever, well, come on. I mean, you know, 
Oh, I'm having marriage troubles. Oh, yeah, just divorce her. <laughs> That's what the world's going to tell you, right? And then the spiritual Christians say, you know what? You know, you need to pray about this. And, and you know, we're standing with you. We're going to pray with you. You know, let's take you through the word here. You understand what I'm saying? Don't take advice or counsel from the ungodly, which includes backslidden Christians. Amen. Let's use some wisdom here. Amen. Next, key to prosper, you must fear or reverence the Lord in your life. You must fear or reverence the Lord in your life. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Are you enjoying this? Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Hallelujah. Now, there's so many other points that I could bring up, but you understand, uh, within a 45-minute range here, all I can do is just bring up the points that I felt the Holy Spirit really lay upon my heart. Amen? Holy Spirit knows what we need to hear, right? He knew who, who was going to be here today. He knew who was going to be visiting today, and he knows what you and I need to hear this morning. Like I said before, a preacher's not exempt from their Sunday morning service, sermon, Right? When I'm up here preaching, when the preacher is preaching on Sunday, we're preaching to ourselves. Because it's not my word, I'm preaching the word. And nobody's exempt from the word of God. Amen? Now, uh, Deuteronomy 8, verses 6 through 7. <clears throat> it says, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him, or reverence him it's talking about for the lord thy god bringeth thee into a good land a land of brooks of water of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranate are you getting the picture this is a prosperous place he's bringing this bringing you into here a land of olive oil olive or olive oil and honey a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness notice no lack Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he giveth thee. Notice it was God who gave those individuals that land. Why? Because they fear him. They respect him. They reverence him. They Exalt the word. They live their life according to the word of God. Go to Psalm 112. I told you I'm running you through the word this morning. Amen. Psalm 112. Verses 1 through 3 I'm going to read here. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man or the person that fears the Lord that delights greatly in his commandments. You see, one of the things of the fear of the Lord, if you're truly fearing the Lord, how do you know it? You'll rejoice and take pleasure in his commandments. You won't think that they're burdensome. Oh, what do you mean, God, I can't go to the bar every night? What do you mean I can't have sex with every individual I come across? You understand what I'm saying? A person who fears the Lord is going to delight in the commandments of the Lord. If you're not delighting in the commandments of the Lord, you're not fearing the Lord. Amen. Verse 2. His seed, or children, shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed, prosperous. Look at verse 3. Wealth 
and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. The man or the individual that fears the Lord, his children will be blessed, and it even goes on to say wealth and riches will be in their house. That's the word of God. That is the word of God. So uh, we need to take heed. Go to Psalm 128. Psalm 128. This was awesome when I read this one. Talking about the fear of the Lord here. One key to prosperity is that we need to fear the Lord. And as that one scripture pointed out, the person who fears the Lord, I just feel like saying again, takes pleasure or joy in the commandments of the Lord, in the word of God. Now, Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in his ways. If you fear the Lord, you're going to be obedient to him. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shall thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about the table. Behold, that thus shall be the man that, that blessed, be blessed. You shall be blessed because you feared the Lord. The Lord shall bless you out of Zion, and you shall see uh, the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Now listen to me. If you fear the Lord, another benefit of fear in the Lord, you're going to live a long life. It says you'll see your children's children. It's talking about your life on this earth. Amen? Now, uh, Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't fear the Lord without having faith. You need to believe what his word says. Amen? Now, um, if you truly fear the Lord with your whole heart, and you have that strong confidence in him, praise will follow. Is that right? Praise to him will follow. Look at Turn to Psalm 67. I want to show you a benefit of praising God. Praise to God is also referred to as blessing the Lord. Amen? And when you start praising the Lord, when you start blessing the Lord in your life, I want to show you what will happen. Psalm 67, verses 5 through 7. Listen to this. Let the people praise thee, O God, and let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us, prosper us. God shall bless us, and all of the ends of the earth shall fear him. When you start praising God, it releases the blessings of God in your life. You bless him, he blesses you back. Amen? Now, uh... It's going to go somewhere else with that. I just had a vision. As I, as I said that, let me just say it off the cuff. It's not in my notes. As I said, as you bless God, the blessed, blessings come back down. Did you know that rain occurs when there's so much moisture that raises from water on the earth? 
when the water raises up, the water vapor, and it gets too great, clouds form, and the clouds can't hold the water, and it rains. When you praise God, your praises go up, the blessings will fall down like rain. That's, that's the vision I had as, as I said that scripture. Do with it what you will. Amen. Now, the next key to prosperity, you must be humble. We need to get rid of all pride in our lives. You must be humble. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly or with the humble is wisdom. It says shame's going to come if you're going to hold on to pride in your life. Now turn with me to Proverbs 16, 18. So many scriptures about pride. I only picked out a couple. It says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It says pride, if you have pride in your life, it's going to bring in destruction in your life. Totally contrary of prosperity, of success, or the favor of the Lord. Amen? Now, uh, go to Proverbs 29, 23. Hallelujah. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. It reminds me of, of 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, humble yourselves in the, in the sight of God so that God can exalt you in due time. Here it says, pride will bring you low. And there's another scripture too. It says, the psalmist said in a psalm, it says, let not the foot of pride come against me. And I, when, when I heard that before, I was like, Lord, what do you mean foot of pride? And when I asked him that, I had a vision in my, in my mind about this. Me standing here in a foot doing that, stomping me down. Why? Because pride brings you low. And that's why it's called the foot of pride. The foot of pride. So we need to be humble. You know, uh, there's so many people who are lifted up with pride in their heart, thinking that the reason for their success in life is because of everything that they have done. And... Uh, but you know what? They wouldn't have that success if it wasn't for God who gave them the talent or ability. And uh, Proverbs 23, 4. Proverbs 23, 4. This was interesting. It says, labor not to be rich. Cease from your own wisdom. You see, someone who has pride carries on in their own wisdom. And they're always seeking the buck for themselves. And they're always trying to accomplish things on their own instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. Instead of making the kingdom of God priority in their life. Remember, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these other things will come. So, uh, people who have pride lose sight of their priorities in life. And uh, let's see here. There's something else I wanted to pull out here. <laughs> Labor not to be rich. I'm going to get into that in a minute down the road here. But, you know, we need to 
constantly remind ourselves that our real source on this earth is God. You understand that this morning? Without him, we would be nothing. Without the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of our life, we would be nothing. Amen? Go to Jeremiah 17.5. I want to pull something out here. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Interesting scripture here. Well, that's all interesting. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes the flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. You see, someone who's in pride will trust in only what they see, and they'll trust only in their ability. And it says here, cursed is the man that does that, and whose heart departs from the Lord. If you have pride in your heart, and you're trying to work things in your own strength all the time, lack will come into your life. It, it puts a wall up to prosperity in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's getting a little quiet in here. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean upon your own understanding. Our understanding is so limited. Yeah, how many times do we try to do things in our own strength? And I'll tell you right now, the Bible calls that pride. Because we're trying to do things apart from God. Amen. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. In other words, your obedience to God and letting Him lead you is what really counts in life. The rest of your works attempted outside of Him are worthless and it's called pride. That's what the word vain means, worthless. Everything outside of allowing the Lord help in us, seeking wisdom from the Lord, seeking wisdom from the Word of God, everything else outside of that, Bible says is worthless. Now, the next step here, keys to prosperity, we need to renew our mind by daily meditating on the Word of God. 3 John 2. Making a decent, decent on time this morning. Uh, we'll, we'll be out of here by the time Super Bowl starts tonight. Uh, now, uh, 3 John 2. <laughs> kidding, kidding. All right, 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Notice God said here, or John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Beloved, I wish, or it's my desire, that above all things, that you may prosper. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, why did you put the word wish? I wish above all things. And you know what came back to me? The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, because your prosperity is not dependent on me, it's dependent upon you. Now think about it. Now, but you're saying, yeah, but Pastor James, you just said, trust on God, lean on God. Yeah, but you're the one who has to put these principles into action in your life. 
That's why God says, I wish above all things. It's his will. It's his desire. But you are in charge of your own life. You have a free will, you and I, don't we? We can do what we want. I could leave here today and go to a strip club if I wanted to. You understand what I'm saying? God's not going to come out and just put a, put a wall in front of me from going in. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. It's dependent upon you and I putting the word of God into action in our lives. Now, notice here, it says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. In other words, your prosperity in the natural realm is in direct proportion to your mind being renewed by the word. Because it says right here, I wish above all things you may prosper and be in health. And then it says, even as, or you could put an equal sign, even as your soul prospers. Well, your soul's only going to prosper in the word of God. That is the only thing that can prosper your soul is the word by renewing your mind. Psalm chapter 1, again. Psalm 1. Verses 2 through 3. And I'm talking about meditating on the word, thinking on the word, speaking the word, renewing your mind with the word. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he, what's the result of meditating on the word day and night? Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water and bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, come on, underlined it, shall prosper. Why? Why, why will everything he does shall prosper? Because you, is, is the, in the proportion that your soul, mind, will, and emotions is prospering, because you're renewing your mind, that's the direct proportion you're going to prosper in the natural. That's why you'll succeed. That's why you will prosper. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says this. God told Joshua this. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. There's the speak in the word. You, you and I need to speak the word on a daily basis. It releases the power of God. It says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Why? What's the purpose of doing it? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous or successful, and then you shall have good success. Notice, Speaking the word, meditating of the word. If you speak the word, meditate on the word, eventually your renewing of the mind is going to change your actions. You're going to start becoming a doer of the word. And because of becoming a doer of the word, now everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. You understand that? You see the process? I mean, in that one verse, you see a whole step one, two, three, four. It's a progression. Speak the word. Meditate on the, on the word. You'll become a doer of the word. Now you're going to succeed and prosper to whatever you put your hand into. Hallelujah. Now the last point I want to make today 
about keys to prosperity, which is, this is so, such an important, they all are important, but this one is, is really important too. We need to help the poor and reach out to those in need. We can do all the other stuff, but if we're lifting up our nose and hiding our eyes from seeing and helping those in need, it's worthless and in vain. You're going to hinder your prosperity, and I want to prove it to you through the word. Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 10. It says, If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within thy gates and in thy land, which the Lord uh, thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide unto him, and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware, listen, this is important. Beware that there be not, that there's not a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and thine eye shall be evil against your poor brother and you shall give him nothing. And he cry unto the Lord against thee and it is sin unto you. Now, I want to explain, it says the seventh year, the year of release. It's talking about the year of Jubilee. Every seven years, uh, there's called the year of Jubilee where the poor, where everything that was taken from someone was returned. And this is saying someone's using that excuse saying, I'm not going to help the poor. They're just going to have to wait until the year of Jubilee. You understand? So he's trying to make an excuse not to help the poor guy. Verse 10, it says, thou shall surely give him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give unto him. Why? Because 2 Corinthians says God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that verse? Here it says when you give unto the poor, don't give, don't give gr grievously. Don't, don't be grieved to give unto the poor. Do it cheerfully. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless you in all of your works, in all that you put your hand unto. Notice when you help the poor and you do it cheerfully, you're going to be blessed. And it says, everything you put your hand to will be blessed also. It reminds me of Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Remember the word willing deals with your attitude. Obedient deals with your actions. What's your attitude like? If you got the wrong attitude and you do it, forget it. It's in vain. You better come with the right attitude and do the right thing. Amen? Proverbs 28, 27, as I get ready to finish, just two, two more after this short scriptures. Proverbs 28, Proverbs 28, 27 says, He that gives unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. It's talking about if you hide your eye, if you're not even looking, if you don't have compassion on the poor, on those in need, it says you're going to bring a curse upon yourself. Why? 
because you're sinning, you're going against the golden rule of the New Testament, walking in love. You understand that? You're outside of love when you're doing that. And when you're helping and you're doing it with the right attitude, you're in love and walking in love, you're on the path and the roadway to blessing in life. Proverbs 25, 21. Proverbs 25, verses 21 through 22. It says, if thine enemy... Be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For you shall heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward you. We're, we are even to reach out to our enemies. And it says when you do that, you will be rewarded. Think of the person that, that you really have ought against, that you despise. And that person coming to you and asking for something. How many times would we just tell, you know, I'm not going to give you anything. Look how you treated me. But the word of God says that we are to bless our enemies. And you will be rewarded for it. And the last scripture, Ephesians 4.28. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.28. The last scripture. It says this. It says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needs. I want to point this out, that we as Christians are to work honestly, Make an honest living, and the point of making that honest living, it says, is to give to those in need. The purpose is that we are to reach out and help our brother and sister around us. Why? Because when we do that, we're walking in love, the greatest commandment. Amen? If you put these keys into action in your life, get ready. Prosperity in your life will overtake you, and you will see the favor and the power of God released in your life like never before. Let's stand this morning as we close. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that the word that has been spoken, I pray that the Holy Spirit would etch it upon every heart in this place. That, Lord, even as they leave this place, even as they're at workplace and, and they go about their weekly business, Father, Lord, I'm praying that you would quicken them about this message, Lord. That you would show them those areas in their life, Father God, that they need to change. Show them those people in, the, in their lives, Lord God, that they need to reach out and help, Father. And Lord, we do it ultimately because we love you and we want to be obedient to you. The rewards, the benefits are just an added blessing. Now, there might be someone in this place this morning who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of, of your life. You heard this message and you know, you know in your heart that you are outside 
of the covenant because you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. If you would like to do that this morning, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait because waiting might mean it might be too late one day. While you have breath in your lungs, now is the time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you over here to your right my left over there. If there's someone in here who would like to rededicate their life to the Lord, you know you're backslidden. You know you're not living the life that God desires you to live. I want you to come down over here and I want to pray with you just to rededicate your life. A new beginning with the Lord. Amen. There's anyone in here who has never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. The purpose is to be a powerful witness for Jesus. It's a second experience. See, with the Lord, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, when you become born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside your spirit. But then there's a second experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul asked certain disciples in Acts 19, he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? It's a second experience. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come down to this altar. If there's anyone in this place that needs a healing in their physical body, you just need the prayer of agreement. You want me to pray with you about a situation. I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you. Examine your heart as you listen to this song. thank him for what he's done today commit to him tell him you're gonna do it confess those areas in your life when you you felt tugged to give to someone on the street you felt tugged to send a check to an individual to a family member in need but you didn't that's sin that's disobedience confess it as sin right now make it right with God new beginning
from God this morning. Just call out to him. Tell him what you need this morning. Hallelujah. He knows, but he said that he knows what you have need of before you pray. He still expects you to pray. He still expects you to communicate with him. Just tell him, what are you in need of this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this place. We give you praise. Lord, stir up every individual in this place, Father God. Lord, just a fresh anointing upon each and every one. I speak to heaviness. I speak to depression. I speak to oppression. I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing right now in the life of that individual right now. Who all week stays at home and who is crying because of that heaviness, that darkness. Well, I command that darkness to go right now. Loose them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And I speak joy. I speak peace into that individual right now. That's you. You receive it. Receive it. Just worship the Lord as the song plays. Tell him what you need.
feel a stirring in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. There's some, someone's getting changed. Something's happening. There's a breakthrough coming through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, we're not into playing church. We're into relationship with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. We exalt you in this place. We exalt you in Big Rapids. Hallelujah. This city is going to be sold out to you. Hallelujah. Saints, are you on the offensive to bring the gospel everywhere you go? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at these healing meetings, in our services. Hallelujah. Why? Because we invite the Lord to be present. We, we go on His leading, by His Spirit, not our own. Amen. When we do that, we will see results. Get ready. Get ready for a move of the Holy Ghost that has never been in Big Rapids before. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. Hallelujah. We're taking, we're taking the gospel to the streets. We're taking the gospel to the poor. We're claiming the gospel to the poor. Hallelujah. taking place right now. Jump in the river. Jump in the river. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let your power flow the lives of these people. We're changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's a process. It's a process. And that process is alive and well in you, in this church. Amen. More than life. We love him more than life. And Jesus loved us more than his life because he gave it for us. Is there anyone that has a word that they need to share? They feel the Holy Ghost putting upon their heart. Yes. Well, it seems like for the last week, God has been just impressing on my heart that it's an experiential gospel. Yes. Yeah. John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus from prison to confirm the fact that he already knew that he was the Son of God. But what was Jesus' answer when they went? He said, tell them what you see. What do you see? I see the lame walk. Yeah. The blind see. It's what you see. You're going to see the power of God manifested. 
in these last days like you've never seen it. God has just spoken again and reminded me that Brother Hagin's prophecy will be fulfilled this year. This is the year. The prophet was never called out of the church by God. It was called out of the church by man. That office of the prophet God wants back in place in doing the work that God has called him to do. So see what the Lord's doing. Watch and see. Yes. Hallelujah. Woo. The Holy Ghost is flowing in here. Is there anyone else who has a word from the Lord that they'd like to share? Anybody else? Yeah. Elizabeth saw my hands, and I know you did. They were red and inflamed, and I, they hurt so bad I couldn't put them out straight. There were a couple scratches there, but the redness is gone. <laughs> they were red and inflamed. Really, they were red and inflamed. We believe you. And now, <laughs> look. Hallelujah. See, when you step out and act on God's word and faith and be led by the Spirit, things, will hap things are going to happen. We've got another one here. Hmm? Kneel down. Kneel yep. down. The Spirit of the Lord was saying to you that your gift is going to go before you. And as you step out of the water, into the water, the Spirit of the Lord says you will walk and you will reach out to people that you have never, ever thought you would reach out to before. And as you trust the Lord, as you keep your eyes upon him, and don't get over here into this thing and don't get over there into that thing. But as you keep your eyes on the Lord, that gift will go before you. And you will marvel because it's God that's done it. It is not anything to do with you, but it's what God has done in and through you. And Elizabeth, she will rise up and many will come to her because of the wisdom that God has given to her. And it will be because of the Lord working in and through her that she has been able to reach out also. Because God has joined you together as one. And he will do those things that he desires to do in you. But remember, your gift will go before you. Thank you, I receive that. Thank you, Lord. See, when the Holy Spirit's moving, don't cut him off. Amen? Flow with it. Flow with it. Anyone else before we close this out? Yes, come on up. Hallelujah. When our church was going through the time, um, Pastor Anthony had left, and when we were in praise and worship, and we were kind of like, are we going to go forward as a church? And I saw this young man kneeling, and it was this branch that our church had been wiped out, but there was a single shoot, and that young man... You were over that church praying over that single little vine. The whole area, it was like, reminded me like of a lilac bush or something. And there was only a single shoot coming. And that that shoot was going to be tender. And that God would take care of that. And that shepherd would be praying over that and bringing the life. And then when I just saw you, I was like, oh, praise God. Oh, that is powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Woo, glory to God. That is powerful. That is powerful. Anybody else? Come on up, Asahan. Wow. Told you we'd get out of here by Super Bowl. <laughs> I just want to share this wonderful living 
God's words in us. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not set you ablaze. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Amen. That's powerful. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, wow, awesome. When, I, when we were getting interviewed by the church, when, remember what the church when the congregation was sitting down and Elizabeth and I were sitting up here and you guys were asking the questions when we came for the interview. I remember we were talking about signs and wonders and, and the power of God. And, and I remember Laura saying, I just don't want to talk about it. I want to see it. And we're seeing it. In fact, she got a healing in her thyroid. So the Lord's speaking right to her, amen? So we're going to see mighty, mighty things. Guys, have a great week. And remember that there is a sin of gluttony, so watch out what you eat while you're watching the Super Bowl. And uh, have a great week. We love you. Come on back on Wednesday, amen.